wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys, and welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, August 6, 2020. I am Graham Gisa Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. I'm going to keep this intro nice, short, and sweet, straight to the point this week. Today, we're talking to Universal Champion Braun Strowman. Now, keep in mind, this interview took place from right before the Extreme Rules pay-per-view a couple of weeks ago where he drowned in the Wyatt Swamp fight swamp. Um, and he has not been seen since on TV. So this interview took place right before the show. We talk about his history in the Wyatt family, working with The Fiend, facing Bray Wyatt in that swamp fight that Sunday at Extreme Rules. His reign so far as Universal Champion, winning the belt from Goldberg back at WrestleMania 36, and so much more. It's about a 20-minute interview, and then after that's done, we're going to be welcoming on Mr. Marceau, RJ, and Alexis, as I'm currently at her house recording all this because my power is out due to the current outages and the hurricane here in the Northeast. Um, so she's going to be on the show. He's going to be on the show. We're talking Raw, NXT, and Dynamite from this past week as well. So before we go any further, quick announcement. Uh, two things, actually. So we're talking to Braun Strowman here today on the show. This Friday for Bleach Report, check out the exclusive article right now. Not right now, but this Friday morning on Bleach Report under the WWE section. I'll be speaking to one half of the former SmackDown Tag Team Champions, Big E, who's currently embarking on a uh, singles run over on the SmackDown brand. And we're talking all things New Day and so much more. So check out that awesome interview going up tomorrow on Bleach Report. Talk to Rhea Ripley again for Daily DDT the other day. That interview is up right now on the website. And uh, also, speaking of websites, NextARWrestling.net, in case you haven't heard, is now WrestleRant.com. This move has been months, many months, years in the making. Maybe not years, but definitely months. I've been hoping to make the change now from nextdayrwrestling.net to wrestlerant.com for a long time. And it wasn't until this past week that I finally got it finished. I finally got the transfer done. Everything is currently up on wrestlerant.com. And that's after 10 years of Next Era Wrestling. So I've been doing the website now for almost a decade, a decade this November. Thought it was as good of a time as any to make the transformation over to WrestleRant.com. Just so everything that I do is under the WrestleRant brand umbrella. Um, Alexis actually was the one who brought it up to me. Why is your website next to wrestling when what you do, like WrestleRant on YouTube and WrestleRant Radio, is all WrestleRant? Like your Twitter is WrestleRant. Where does next to wrestling come from? And I'm like, yeah, you know, that's a good point. So uh, I made the, I started the process to get the change made, and it took a while, but we finally made it happen. Uh, we got a new look to the website, introducing some new components and stuff like that. So check it out right now in, in, in case you're not listening to this show on the website, WrestleRant.com. A lot more, you know, kind of rolls off the tongue a lot easier than NextAirWrestling.net, which still works, by the way. You can still go to NextAirWrestling.net. It just transfers you automatically to WrestleRant.com. So check that out right now on WrestleRant.com. Without further ado, though, let's welcome on the current Universal Champion, 
Braun Strowman. Braun, how are you, my man? What's up, man? Doing awesome, dude. Going into Sunday's Extreme Rules pay-per-view, you've competed in everything from Hell in a Cell matches to Symphony of Destruction matches, but how do you even go about preparing for a swamp fight at your old stomping grounds? Um, this one's more of a mental thing for me. Um, you guys know I have the physical aspect to, to walk into any circumstance in life. I mean, I'm probably as big and as strong as I've ever been in the WWE right now. I'm a little bit lighter than I normally am, but I'm tipping the scales at 373 pounds right now. Mm-hmm. And I got to brag on myself. I got some abs showing at 373. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to pat myself on the back for that because there ain't many people that have ever been able to walk around on this planet and do that. And I've been working my tail off to get into shape like this and be the monster that you guys want me to be and stuff. And uh, this has been a big mental focus for me. You know, the history with Bray and I, one, I mean, you, a lot of people know our history outside of the ring and stuff like that. But going back, I mean, without Bray, without Bray Wyatt, there is no Braun Strowman. Mm-hmm. And uh, thinking back on my time with the Wyatt family, I'm grateful for it because I learned so much as far as being a wrestler, a performer, an entertainer, traveling the world, the ins and outs of this business, this industry, and what it takes to maintain and stay ahead of the curve and continue to evolve in this sport that is so crazily fast-growing and evolving around the world. Um, You know, I had to take a step back and, and think, you know, because the stuff that I used to do when I was with Bray, I wasn't a good person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I did a lot of bad things to, to, to a lot of good people. And uh, I was brainwashed by Bray. Bray is very manipulative. I mean, uh, he, doesn't even, he doesn't even know his own self. Mm-hmm. So, you, you, you know, at any given day, you never know what personality you're going to deal with. And that's hard because at the end of it all, ain't nobody's trying to come face to face with the fiend. Mm-hmm. Like... The, the Fiend is the culmination of everything you can think of in your head that you're afraid of. Everything that's ever bad happened to you. Every evil thought that lives inside of your body, that is the Fiend brought to life in a real-life human being. And it's it's something that I don't want to have to face. So I know the only way to get around this, get over this, is I have to go to hell. Mm-hmm. I have to walk through the gates of hell and I have to go in there and slap the devil in the face. And, and that's the only thing, that's, all, that's the only way there is this goes. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to think that you've been on your own now for about four years, you know, winning countless championships, now the Universal Champion on SmackDown. And in that time that you've been on your own away from the Wyatt family, you faced practically everyone on the roster, every top name that you can imagine, except for Bray Wyatt until recently. Was he someone that always kind of led your list of opponents that you wanted to work with? And who else is on that list of people you want to face eventually? Oh, absolutely. I mean, what student doesn't want to oust his master, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and, that, and that's what it is. Bray Wyatt taught me so much. And this is an opportunity for not only me to show the world what he's taught me, but I get to show him what he's taught me. And unfortunately for him, some of the stuff he taught me he's not going to like. Uh, but as far as yeah, opponents and stuff, I get that question quite often. And as far as any opponent of any time or whatever, it is an absolute no-brain, one hundred percent answer. Andre the Giant. Nice and um, yeah. 
Yeah, Andre is sports entertainment personified. He is WWE. He mm-hmm. is... It, it, without Andre, this business isn't what it is to, to today. Andre made the industry something special because he was something special. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so much of me, knowing that I'm a last of a dying breed of the big man in this industry in the entire world and every federation, sanctioning body, whatever you name it, there is no one else like me. And knowing that I'm walking in the footsteps of such greats, I'm not only big men of like Andre the Giant, but Kane, Undertaker, Mark Henry, Big Show, guys like that 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 paved the road for this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have loved to meet Andre, like just been able to just talk to him like one on one. But to be able to step into the ring and and and, and swear uh, share the squared circle with such an iconic entity. Uh, would have been special. And I tell you what, man, Andre in his prime versus me right now, my God, would that have been fireworks. <laughs> and it must have meant the world to you to have won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal a couple of years ago at WrestleMania, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. And it just such a yeah, great that, that just, like I said, solidifies that thing of carrying on his legacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, if I can leave... A sixteenth of the footprint in this industry and on the earth that Andre did, I'll be happy with my accomplishments in this business. And a lot of fans may forget that you actually competed in a cinematic style brawl before on the Wyatt Family Compound about four years ago against the New Day with Bray and I believe Luke Harper as well. Um, is it safe to say that was from a couple of years ago a small taste of what fans can expect on Sunday at the Horror Show? A very small taste. Uh, as creepy and as physical as that was, uh, I have a feeling this is going to be on a whole other level. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking, I know Bray is in the best shape of his life right now. He's probably 320 or 330 pounds at the moment. I'm tipping the scales over 370, and, like, it's it's a hoss fight. It's, it's something that you don't get very often anymore because there aren't men like us in this business, and... We're going to beat the hell out of each other. Um, I'm going to fight everything physically I can because I know I can handle all the physical aspects of anything that he has to throw out of me, but it's the mental that I'm scared of. I'm not going to lie. I have doubts in my own mental strength of being able to keep him out of my head because he, at one point, uh, I was just pumping. He was the master, and I did his bidding, and Every being in me does not want to go back to that. That that was a dark time in my life and my career. I did bad things to good people, and I was good at it. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, like I said, with this whole thing, there, there's, there's two ways I see this match ending. I either come out of it the most evil son of a bitch this earth has ever seen, or I walk out of the hell with satisfaction that I slap the devil in the face. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before you had debuted as part of the Wyatt family, almost exactly five years ago at this point, and it's crazy to think it's been that long, um, the NXT Universe had seen a little bit of you in NXT as a road bud here, uh, as a rose bud here and there for Adam Cole. Uh, I'm sorry, Adam, Adam Cole. Adam Rose a number of years ago in NXT. Um, having not wrestled a ton prior to that point, prior to debut on the main roster, how sudden was that process to get be brought up to Raw, a part <laughs> of the Wyatt family? And uh, what did you learn the most from working with the Wyatt family? Well, one, the, the, the suddenness of it uh, was insane. I, and you said with the experience, I might have maybe had seven or eight wrestling matches. Wow. 
in my in my career when I debuted on TV. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting underneath that ring in a sold out Barclays Center, the Monday Night Raw after SummerSlam. And every possible bad thought is going through my mind. I'm going to trip when I step over the top rope. I'm going to screw this up. I'm going to screw that up. And the whole thing just revolving in my head of you only get one chance at a first impression mm-hmm. is all I could hear inside of my head while I'm sitting there. And, you know, uh, the, the company, the boss, everybody, they took, they took a shot on me. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm thankful for that. I mean, let's be for real. I didn't know that there was between a headlock and a freaking pair of boots at that point and uh vince was very smart with what he did with me and pairing me up with guys with ray with luke with rowan with these guys that have been around the world and have the experience the guys that are generational wrestlers that's literally in their blood um that time was very special to me like luke and rowan all three of the guys were very influential in the development of Braun, and without those three guys, there is no Braun. Mm-hmm. There is no monster among the men because they were willing to work and help me where so many people are like, yeah, this big guy is going to come in and take one of our spots and take all of our money. Screw that. I ain't helping him. <laughs> and instead of that, they, they, they entrusted in me and we, we became close, you know, riding, traveling around the country and stuff and talking about the matches. And there was, Many talks in the beginning is all the stupid stuff that I did in the ring that sucked. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's how you learn. We learn as we win. And um, it got to where, yeah, I, it got to where I wasn't getting yelled at as much anymore in the car. And I started uh, having good talks when you do this good, you do that good. And, you know, it's cool to feel that, to, to know and learn as you go. Just, mm-hmm. if, if you're not learning something every time you go out when you do this in this industry, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. This, this industry is so fast-paced, so ever-evolving, and I, I like to describe it as, as like ice cream, like WWE's ice cream. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care who you are. Everybody in this world likes ice cream. If you don't, <laughs> you're a liar. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of what flavor, what flavor you like, and, and we've done such a good job as a company of literally, like, Baskin-Robbins, ha, 31 flavors. Try WWE. We got freaking 900 flavors mm-hmm. we got every flavor of ice cream you can imagine on the roster and that's one of the cool things with with working here what have your thoughts been on your universal championship reign so far has it managed to meet your expectations even under the current circumstances or is there hope you know there is there more you're hoping to do as universal champion oh without a doubt like uh there's always more i want to do i want to take this title all over the entire world and represent it how it's supposed to be represented it's been like it, it's never been done this title has never been taken around the world. It's been a, I'm trying not to swear. <laughs> it's a travesty that this title has never been taken around the world on a tour. Mm-hmm. It's been held by people that didn't want to work. And I'm here to work, man. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, like everything I have in life, I've worked my literal ass off for. I have never had anything handed to me. Maybe this was handed to me by circumstances, but I feel like my work that I've put in in the five years that I've been here have led to the reasons why I'm Universal Champion right now. And I want to take this title around the world, and I want to make this title prestigious. I want to make it mean something. I want to make whoever is man enough to step up and take this damn thing from me mean something. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, dude, I'm fired up about this. I that's what I want to do. I want to freaking show the world what a universal champion is. Mm-hmm. 
And it's it's been so long since we've had a fighting champion such as yourself because, as you mentioned, we had you know Goldberg beforehand, Brock Lesnar, and it was very seldom that we had seen the championship defended on a regular basis as you're doing right now. Of course, again with you know just everything going on, you know having the shows at the PC. Obviously, when you were first going for the championship a couple of years ago, at some point you had to know, okay, I'm going to become Universal Champion. But you could have never imagined it with it being under these type of circumstances, right? You know, with just everything going on, but it's just trying to make the most of it at the moment. You're, you're so absolutely right. As crazy as it is and as how badly I want to be back in front of the WWE Universe, in front of my fans, entertaining them, feeding off of their energy, I am beyond proud and honored at the times that we're going through right now in the world with everything that's going on that I am here and I am representing WWE. We are getting our product out to our fans in a time when no one else is. Everyone else gave up on their fans. They sat back. They go, we'll ride this out. When this is over, they'll come back. They'll give us our their money. Mm-hmm. WWE has always pushed the envelope to be the first and the best at everything that they do. And it shows. We took some flack for it, but we have taken every precaution, safety measure you could possibly think of going through all this stuff to make sure our athletes, our backstage people, everybody as a whole in the company is looked after for their health first and foremost. And secondly, we are getting product out to our fans. I am honored to do that. And it must have been crazy to go from, in just the span of a few days earlier this year, going into WrestleMania, uh, from not being a part of WrestleMania initially, from not being announced for the show, to then being a part of the Universal Championship match, and not only being a part of it, but winning the championship from Goldberg at the biggest show of the year. Uh, what kind of process was that for you to just go from, in a matter of days, from not being a part of the show, to then headlining one of the shows, and then winning the Universal Championship? What kind of process? I'm still processing it. <laughs> <laughs> this whole... This whole experience I'm still processing, you know, I I was thinking about, uh, and all this craziness that's going on in the world and us not traveling as much and things like that and not doing as many shows, it's actually given me a time to sit and reflect on how much I have done in the last five years because we are so busy with the travel schedule normal and, and being in front of our fans that you don't even have time to digest this stuff and think about it. Mm-hmm. So as much as this sucks and I hate it for everyone out there that's having to sit at home and deal with all this stuff that's going on, there's still, I'm a firm believer in always finding the silver lining and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the silver lining in this whole message that I'm talking about right now is that it's a lot of me time to think and remember and appreciate what I've gone through to get to where I am now. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've been trying to like, even preach that to other people, too. Like, take this as much as it sucks and use it for an opportunity. Use it for an opportunity to be around your kids more. Use it for opportunities to remember things that you've done that, that you took for granted in life that you can't do now. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and it's, it's motivational as much as it's awful at the same time because it pushes you to, to, to think outside the box and, mm-hmm. and, and to look for that light at the end of the tunnel because we're going to get through all this stuff. We're going to go back to normal and we're going to get back to rolling and having fun. We're going to be back doing live events and having shows and having the WWE Universe going crazy. And I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's all about making the most of a bad situation. And you guys are doing that with the Swamp Fight on Sunday, which should be great. Uh, final few questions for you. It was this week, actually, that you surpassed the 100-day milestone as Universal Champion. In these last couple of months that you've been champion for, is there any one highlight of your reign that stands out to you? Oh. Uh, 
probably the most is just the, like a, the, the opportunity to, to to be out there for the fans. Yeah, like to know, knowing that I can still take them out of their day to day norm. They can get lost in the shuffle with WWE and forget about what's going on in their lives for a second and, and live vicariously through us because. At the end of the day, like, I've noticed that so much that through social media with everything that's been going on, how much my fans, the WWE Universe, leans on all of us, all the WWE superstars and performers. They lean on us for outlets. They, they, they need us to continue doing this because it takes them, it takes their minds away from some of the things that they're having to deal with. They get to sit down for a couple hours with their family every week and watch their favorites on TV and enjoy that, where so many other avenues, they get to watch reruns mm-hmm. and things like that. So the whole thing of just being Universal Champion in such a crazy time right now and being able to represent WWE the way that I am, that's all special to me. So, like, it's really hard to really focus it down to one thing. Like, being Universal Champ, like, it's, 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 it's a big thing. Like, it's a lot of responsibility. All eyes are on you. And, and I'm thankful that the company has faith in me and believes in me enough to give me this opportunity to represent them and show the world what WWE is and what we do. And that's putting smiles on people's faces. And while you were with the Wyatt family, your first WrestleMania would have been WrestleMania 32. And there were a lot of rumors going into that show at the time that there were plans for you to face the Undertaker of all people at that event, which would have been huge for your debut match at WrestleMania. Um, do you remember, I mean, of course, it ended up being Undertaker and Shane McMahon at that event. Um, do you remember hearing anything about potentially facing Taker on that show? And if so, what type of nerves were you feeling with that type of opportunity? So I've heard that a bunch, and that's all a lot of just the the dirt sheets liking to talk for clickbait. That was mm-hmm. nothing that ever was brought to my attention that was going to happen. I was nowhere near in a position ready enough to even remotely think about facing The Undertaker at that point. You're talking about April. I debuted August 24th. Mm-hmm. So what? So September, October, November, January, February, March, April. Seven months mm-hmm. I've been in the wrestling business. Mm-hmm. I had seven matches when I debuted on TV. So it was one of those things, oh, if I could, the opportunity, oh, my God, I can't even imagine. But the same thing, I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. Like, they would have put me in there, and it would have not done the service to Undertaker that he deserves at WrestleMania. And part of me is thankful that it didn't happen because who knows where my career would have went, what it would have done, anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this whole thing, I, I'm a, I'm a slow burn guy, but that's this whole thing with my career. Everyone wanted me to win these titles all this time ago. And I kept telling my fans, be patient mm-hmm. guys. I'm not here. I'm not here for a couple of years. I'm here for a long haul. I've signed, just recently signed four more years of the company. The monster's not going anywhere. I'm staying here. And there's so much stuff still to do in this company for my fans, and I'm looking forward to the future. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone else can say the same as well, including on Sunday with the Swamp Fight coming up with uh, Bray Wyatt, which should be great. Bron, thanks so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Best of luck on Sunday. Yes, sir. Thank you. Take care, man. Big thanks to Braun Strowman for the time once again. Hopefully we see him resurface on SmackDown soon enough. But until then, check out my exclusive conversation with Mr. Marceau, RJ, and Alexis talking Raw, NXT, and Dynamite from this past week. Mr. Marceau, Alexis first. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. And Mr. Marceau, welcome back as always, talking all things WWE, AEW, and whatnot. Welcome back to the show, brother. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Still recovering from the hurricane? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, phones are out at work, so I'm just hanging out, talking to GSM. Can't work if there's no phone. <laughs> I have no fucking power, and Alexis is on the show because I'm at her house, because she has power, and she's had power for the better part of the last two days. I do not. I probably won't for a while. Um, it's a limited my wrestling intake, but I have covered all the shows. I've watched all the shows. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much up to speed at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a ton to talk about here today. Uh, we don't have too, too much time, but I do want to talk about Raw. I want to talk about Dynamite. I want to talk about NXT. Now, before we go any further, Mr. Marceau, with the NXT Dynamite stuff, because we did text a little bit last night about each shows and some stuff that we thought was fine, some stuff that we thought wasn't quite as fine. We'll talk about that momentarily. we got to get into Raw, because we really haven't talked too much about the raw underground stuff ourselves, between ourselves. I already know how Alexis feels. We'll get her two cents here on the podcast in a moment. But with you, Mr. Marceau, what was your big takeaway from that raw underground nonsense, in my opinion, from what we saw on Monday night? My first takeaway would be different. I mean, definitely was definitely something that was different. Never seen that before. I was more of like, I wouldn't say startled, but I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? That was kind of like my first reaction. Mm-hmm. They have the whole Baba Tunde thing or whatever name they repackaged them. I mean, it's Baba Tunde. That's all. That's all. That's <laughs> yeah. Baba Tunde until he dies. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. He can switch his name, throw a mask on. He's Baba Tunde to me. But uh, at first, I'm like, eh, like this is kind of weird. But I'm gonna give it some, give it like a chance. And then the Viking Raiders did it, and I'm like, all right, this is like okay, I guess. And then I thought the ending. I thought the ending sequence with the uh, hurt business was actually pretty cool. Um, thought that was probably the best part of the whole Raw Underground. Um, thing so i i'm not gonna poop all over it yet i mean i i usually try to like let it breathe a little bit so the first week at first i was kind of like this is stupid what the hell's going on and by the end they kind of gained my interest a little bit more with the whole hurt business stuff at the end um i guess they said that they've kept filming uh for next week's show so there will be more raw underground mm-hmm. um so i want to go for a little bit at first like i said had a bad reaction at first but at, by the end they kind of not won me over, but gained my interest a little bit more. So we'll see what happens uh, week two, but uh, definitely different. Yeah, I'm just not a big fan of the whole shoot style thing. Not to say that it wouldn't work, but just the way that they... Like, there's a lot of things that would work in a normal circumstance, but we're talking WWE here. Sometimes they take things that work, and they don't always apply them correctly. And I thought the early goings of it... First of all, I'm not really a fan of the whole thing, personally. I don't think it's going to last long. I don't want to see it last longer than a couple of weeks. Um, you know, like you said, we saw Baba Tunde, we saw the Viking Raiders, Dolph Ziggler, Isaiah Swerve Scott was there. Um, we'll see if this really benefits anyone. I personally don't really care. Um, because again, there are other promotions that have done this exact same thing, but better. It just kind of feels like a watered down version of like the temple from Lucha Underground, which, you know, we, we are both big fans of. Um, I did love the ending. I mentioned that as well, and I'm, I'm glad you agree. I thought the ending was cool. Um, that was easily the most badass that Shelton, Bobby, and MVP have all come across since they first came together a number of uh, months or weeks, months ago, whatever. Um, I thought the ending was great. I'm intrigued to see where it goes. Um, obviously, like you said, they have continued to film into next week's show. They've already filmed next week's Raw, I believe, because usually they tape it back-to-back, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, yeah, we'll see. We're, we'll see where they go with it. I'm intrigued. I like the Hurt Business. I like their involvement in the whole thing. And coming off their championship losses, and I say losses because MVP was never really the champion in the first place, um, that was a nice way for them to bounce back. Alexis, we've already discussed this before, but what were you two, uh, your two cents on the Raw Underground concept for Monday? Um, my thought was it was just another excuse to, like, try and get more views in the last hour. 
Like, well, they I, specifically promoted it for 10 p.m. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. But another thing is, like, they don't—they're not very consistent with stuff. Like, they're constantly changing storylines. They're constantly doing new things and like having new stars and recycling other people. So, like, for them to be able to stick with something like that and go, oh, every single time on on monday night raw 10 p.m we're gonna do this segment like no you're not it's not gonna last so Mm -hmm. why even my thing is like if i know you're not gonna even keep up with it why are you even doing it in the first place it's a waste of energy and it's a waste of people to like get excited about something new which i know is not gonna end up well inconsistency is usually their biggest issue when it comes to stuff like this sometimes they take things that work as they mentioned earlier and they don't continue to either do it or they scrap it before it can really get over. That's the case with many a superstar. I mean, you you talk about Ricochet, Cedric Alexander, all guys that they were interested in pushing at first, weren't getting over at the rate they were hoping, or, you know, realistically, whatever, and then they just abandon it because it's not what Vince was hoping for. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how long it sticks. I don't see it sticking around for much longer than a month. I know you're a big Shane O'Mac fan, RJ. How, are you, how, how did you feel about the return of Shane McMahon on Monday night? Um, it was nice to see Shane. I'm a big fan of Shane. Um, I guess, like, I think it's just they use him as because he'll probably get the most buzz and the most noteworthy person to be running it. So, I mean, I think that's why they, they chose him. Um, interesting to see what happens. He says, I know he had at one point um, before he had kind of like, not a falling out, but when he first left the WWE uh, back in the early 2000s, I know he had interest in buying the UFC. Okay. And wanted to buy it. And I guess that didn't work out. And then when he did his ventures overseas, I'm pretty sure he did buy stake in some kind of mixed martial arts uh, company over in Japan at some point. But I know he definitely wanted Vince to buy the UFC, which he didn't. Um, Cornette actually talked about that a couple weeks ago. I heard that. So he said that Shane was pretty big into mixed martial arts and thought Vince should have gotten into it when, he, when, uh, when him and Vince kind of had that falling out when he left the company in early 2000. So I think it is his vision. Like he does favor probably more of like, MMA or shoot fighting, so I think that's another reason why they got him into it, but uh, it was nice to see Shane back on TV. Like I said, just hopefully it kind of has some kind of payoff. Um, That's why I'm kind of hoping, have a little hope left on this, because hopefully there's some kind of payoff for somebody, but uh, I'm not really holding my breath too hard. Yeah, we'll see. Um, To me, it just feels like, regardless of the concept itself, it feels like another attempt for them to boost ratings. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, ratings are low, they're at a record low. We got to do something new. We got to bring someone up. Like when I first heard Faction, you and I were discussing RJ over text. Could that mean Undisputed Era? But as we kind of discussed, I mean, if it was, then they would have said that. And they obviously didn't for a reason because it wasn't. And thankfully not. And I think they are coming up to the main roster and they probably should sooner rather than later. There literally is nothing else for them to do mm-hmm. in NXT. Um, but we got another faction instead. So again, they advertise literally all of this, not a week in advance, not last Friday on Twitter. This news broke maybe within an hour or two, or an hour or two of the show starting on Monday. Um, you know, they 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 announced it on Twitter. Oh, a new faction has arrived at the building. Oh, Shane McMahon's going to be on Raw. Oh, there's going to be this new big thing. Blah blah blah. So again, they're they're trying to bring back viewers. I don't know if this is the right way of going about it because again, they've tried experiment after experiment, and very rarely does it work. Um, but Mr. Marcel, I'll go back to you with the whole faction thing, as we now know as Retribution, I believe is the name of the faction. Um, we didn't see very much of this new faction of sorts on Monday. They, they destroyed a generator and that was about it. Um, I feel like it's something they tried before with the whole hacker thing. And obviously that went nowhere. 
you, you said you have some reservations about the Raw Underground. You do are you are slightly optimistic that it could work. Do you have the same optimism regarding the Retribution faction on Raw? Yeah, I always have my reserves. I mean, with something new like that, you kind of have to have an open mind. Even knowing the tr- the, like their kind of train of thought or their track record always being really bad with this stuff, but I'm, it wasn't the most interesting thing. Like, oh, they blew up a generator. Oh, they flickered the lights. Like, that didn't really do too much for me. Mm-hmm. I'm more kind of interested to see who's going to be in the group, I guess. I, I'm assuming it's probably going to be people from NXT, like kind of like, like you said, Retribution, I guess, some invading people. But um, I'm definitely interested. I know for a fact, the per- I know for a fact, and this is not being sexist or whatever you want to call it, the person on the right hand had definitely was a woman because just the way that she threw, she threw like a something at the generator and just mm-hmm. the way she threw it, you could tell it was definitely a girl. And her frame, she had like a small, smaller frame. So mm-hmm. it was definitely a, a woman. So I'm interested in the scene. I think could be, obviously, if done right, it could be well. They don't normally do that. So I'm holding reservations, but uh, I, they always usually kind of mess this stuff up. So I'm not, I wouldn't be too surprised. You know, I, I talked. I, I talked about my picks yesterday in hashtag as far as who I would want to see in it and stuff like that. Who I think might be a part of it. I didn't really have many predictions because honestly, I have no clue. Do you have any additional thoughts, RJ, and who else you could see being a part of this faction? You mentioned a female member. Do you have any thoughts on who that could be, possibly? Um, it's tough because it's like no one really stood out. Like, oh, that's probably so and so. Everyone kind of like looked the same. Yep. So I'm not sure if what they. I mean, realistically, what they could do is film these like vignettes and stuff and just have everyone look the same and then the revealing could be so they're not giving away who it could be but i know if someone threw out like probably Dijak could be in it because he hasn't been on nxt in a while um i know vanessa Bourne was rumored to go up to the main roster and hasn't done anything not not like she's the greatest wrestler of all time i mean i met her at access mbd but uh <laughs> i mean it's something for her to do so i mean maybe throw her in the group and you know, try to make her mean something but um, I can see Vanessa Bourne. That's a good pick. Is that you know Chelsea Green is another one that was main roster bound after a while. It, she would not fit in that group at all. So I think Vanessa Bourne would be a better. I'm not a big Vanessa Bourne fan, as you mentioned. Like she hasn't had many memorable, amazing blowaway matches. But as a female member of the group, I think that could work. I agree. I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, do you have any thoughts, Alexis, or no? I don't know, but I looked up the definition of retribution. It has to do with like vengeance and stuff. So did you wait? So when yeah. I told you yesterday that the faction name was Retribution and you didn't like it, you didn't know what the word Retribution meant before I told you that? I kind of did. <laughs> this is breaking news to me. Listen, I had to. I want to look up the exact definition. You didn't know what the word... Like, this isn't some sort of fancy word. Like, the, the, the word Retribution is quite common, to be quite honest with you. You didn't know it. This is like the big takeaway from the. This is amazing to me. You didn't know the word retribution. Had had you even heard of the word retribution before? Yes. Okay. Stop. I'm blushing. This is amazing. Okay. Um. So, (laughs) any other members that you would like to see part of the group? In addition to who else? In addition to anyone else that RJ and I mentioned. Um. Well, now I want to be a part of the group so I can beat you up because you just embarrassed me. Hey, listen. You mentioned. You said it first. You were the one that buried yourself. The definition. You should have just pretended like you already knew what the definition was. That's not my fault, but go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, whatever. Um, I don't know. The only person I can think of is Dijakovic. Like, I literally don't know. I was the one who asked you that question um, on hashtag, so I literally don't... Like, I have no idea. Because the first thought I had was like, oh, maybe it's Undisputed Era as soon as they, like, 
said that, but then when I saw the clips and the fact that, like, they wouldn't fit in any of the storylines that they had on that show, like, it just wouldn't make sense for them to come out at all, and, like, the behavior this group was doing, and the fact that there were five people, like, I'm just like, like, I have no idea. I've never seen them do a faction as of lately with, like, five people, and, like, like, unless it was, like, five single stars or, like, Baron Corbin's little thing that he had a couple years ago. Like, I've never seen that before, so I, I really have no clue. They're known to do random factions, though, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was, like, a random arrangement of people that they just have nothing for. Um, it probably is. Although I do think this person <clears throat> might make sense. Mustafa Ali recently resurfaced on Raw, lost to Bobby Lashley. He was doing that whole thing about a year ago with a gimmick where he was like, oh... Not like I don't know exactly what he was like a man of the people. He was like saving people's lives and these vignettes and people like that. He was shown to be a good person. Went nowhere. They did nothing with it. Um, I could see him kind of fitting that mold though. I don't know if that's something he would want to do or if it's something that would really work. But he wasn't on Raw this week. He fucking worked the main event taping. So you know it's 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 better than nothing. I'm trying to think of anyone else like on the Raw roster, even SmackDown like. Mojo Raleigh with a face paint. Who gives a fuck? Like it's gotta be. It, it's gotta Riddick be people Moss. that we care about. Yeah, exactly. Like I could see them throwing Riddick Moss in there just because they have nothing else for these losers to do. Dijakovic would make sense, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm I'm not overly optimistic. I, I'm not a big. You know, RJ and I have discussed this before. I'm not a big faction fan unless it makes mm. sense. We already have a lot of factions as it is right now mm-hmm. between Undisputed Air and NXT probably coming up. They have Legado Del Fantasma down there. They have New Day on SmackDown. Um, the Forgotten Sons have already been forgotten, but they're a faction too. <laughs> the Lucha House Party are a faction as well. Um, obviously, the Hurt Business, of course. Um, I thought there was another one I wasn't, I can't remember. But there, there's a few. There, there's quite a few. So, um, oh, obviously Rollins' faction. I mean, mm-hmm. Austin Theory is apparently suspended right now. That was the news that kind of came oh. out of this week. It was quietly announced from uh, Dave Meltzer, and take this for what it's worth, that Theory was suspended. Now, I don't know if that had, in, had anything to do with the whole speaking out thing or if it was something else or if he was hurt. I, I'm not sure. Um, but apparently he's suspended, and that's why he's been gone from TV for the last couple of weeks. But that's another faction as well. Um, so also from Raw this week, there really isn't a lot else to talk about, but going out of the more positive stuff, I do want to get your two cents on this, Mr. Marceau, because I know you really, really like this part of Raw, and in my opinion, it was by far the best part of the show, the Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre promo. Um, how much did you enjoy that on Monday night? Oh, I I really enjoyed it. I tweeted out my, uh, my praises for it. I thought it was a good promo. Um, made you want to want Drew to win more and made you want to hate Randy even more. Uh, the start, the story they're telling, I enjoy it. I hope Ric Flair eats a Claymore at some point. I mean, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still have, I still feel like Randy's going to win the belt, but, uh, I'm very intrigued in this, in this feud. I think that promo is a great way to start off their little program. And, uh, I think the match will be good as well. So I thought that was probably my highlight of raw was that promo. I thought it was great. I thought both guys played their roles uh, remarkably well. The promos were great. Orton's been cutting some of the best promos of his entire career in this, uh, not in this feud, but in 2020 alone. With Big Show, with Edge, now with uh, Drew McIntyre. I still do think the belt goes to Orton as well, I agree. Uh, McIntyre, I don't think, for as much praise as he's gotten, I don't think people really realize how great of a work he has done, specifically in the empty arena era, in the ring, on the mic, how he carries himself. 
You know, it, he feels like an actual person on these shows. He's not spewing nonsense. He's not scripted. He's not saying scripted bullshit. And obviously, that's not just the McIntyre thing. That's I'm, I'm proud of WWE as well for allowing him to be himself on the show. And it's cool to see. And I'm looking forward to the match. Um, did you like it as well, Alexis? Did you enjoy that part of Raw as well? I did. I really like what Randy Orton's been doing. I really enjoyed Drew McIntyre's champion. So, uh, fingers crossed that he doesn't lose the title but i honestly think that randy might win um but i mean if he does i'd be happy with it anyways randy orton is very 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 talented so i'm really glad to see like all the stuff that he's been doing because it's really good stuff easily the match you're most excited for at SummerSlam: orton mcintyre for the wwe championship but we got three more essentially match announcements on on monday's raw uh one that's not really official yet but it's bound to happen with Asuka facing Bailey next week. If she beats the SmackDown Women's Champion, she would you would think get a SmackDown Women's Championship match as Alexa as Alexis mentioned the other day. Mm-hmm. Obviously not the case. She gets a Raw Women's Championship match, whatever. And if uh, Bailey wins, then nothing happens. But um, so Asuka and Sasha likely a lock for SummerSlam Part Three, not counting the original encounter from a couple of years ago, just in recent weeks. Um, part Three from Asuka and Sasha at SummerSlam very likely. We are also probably going to get, um, or we will be getting, actually, Apollo Crews versus MVP again for the United States Championship. And uh, Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio's son, Dominic, has also been now made official. Now, I thought the ending segment of the show was great with Dominic and Rollins, or um, yeah, Dominic and Rollins and Murphy. Dominic just fucking creaming them with the kendo stick, which was great. You know, I, I like the Apollo MVP match. I just don't need to see a rematch. It feels like filler to me, which on any other pay-per-view, I wouldn't be a fan of, but I would be like, okay, whatever, it's Extreme Rules, it's Payback, blah, blah, blah. As Alexis mentioned the other day, now we found out in the last week, I think since we last recorded the show, that we're getting yet another fucking pay-per-view next weekend. I'm sorry, the weekend after SummerSlam called Payback, mm-hmm. reportedly. It's not been made official yet, but apparently on August 30th, the Sunday or the Saturday, whatever, we're getting Payback, the uh, pay-per-view returning the week after SummerSlam. Why? I have no idea. They they sometimes have waited two to three weeks to do a pay-per-view. Never one week. That's completely fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're getting rematch of Mania at SummerSlam. Sasha Bailey, or I'm sorry, Sasha um, Asuka again. Not Sasha and Bailey, as many of us figured by this point. We're getting Apollo and MVP again. And we're also getting uh, Dominic and Rollins for the first time, which is fresh. But the other two I'm not so, you know, not too keen on. Um, but Mr. Marceau, what were your thoughts in these recent SummerSlam match announcements? Are you looking forward to any of them? No, I completely agree with you. Like Apollo and MVP, we've been, we've been there, done that a few times already. Don't need that on SummerSlam. Hey, maybe the pre-show you can chuck it on, but anything else... It's kind of just wasting my time. We've already yep. seen, like, it's a, a filler. We don't need to see that. Uh, and even though it's Oscar and Sasha again, which they've done the death at this point, I think they've had all all their matches have been really good, just really screwy finishes. So maybe this is a great match with a good finish, hopefully. Or maybe we'll get a shitty match with a good finish. Who knows? Maybe we'll go the other way. But I'm excited for that match. I think they've had good chemistry so far. And all their matches have been good, just really bad finishes. And oh, I'm so pumped to see Dominic in the ring. I can't wait. He's probably better than <laughs> on, so uh, he's, what's that? he's come across really well in these recent Raw segments, I will say. He came across great this week. He came across great, I think it was a week ago. Um, whenever we saw him last on Raw, he came across great then, too. And they're making him out to be a threat, because you know Rollins is going to win, obviously. But they're making you think that there's a chance Dominic could win, just by the fact that he's been beating the shit out of these guys the last couple of weeks. 
Um, Alexis, any of those matches you're looking forward to? Why are we getting rematches at SummerSlam? I'm not really looking forward to any of them, except for I. the only thing I would say is I'm excited to see like how Dominic comes across. Um, but what you were saying earlier, like, I guess to reiterate it, like, it makes no sense to have this. They, they call SummerSlam like their second biggest show of the year. Mm-hmm. So it makes no sense to me that they would just have a bunch of rematches and then like one or two new matches. Mm -hmm. Like, wouldn't you want to make that the best possible show you can and then do all the rematches at payback? Because that makes much more sense. I agree. I just don't, I don't understand it. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not really looking forward to any of them to be honest with you, but I'll watch it. Well, at least like RJ said, Oscar and Sasha were getting again, um, but at least the match the first two times was great with bad finishes, so I'm hoping SummerSlam will be different. Um, on the NXT front, now we didn't discuss too much about Mr. Marceau or about NXT Mr. Marceau over text last night, so I am anxious to get your thoughts on NXT and Dynamite from this past week. Um, we talked about SummerSlam mountain, match announcements. We found out, uh, I think, two more matches for TakeOver, at least one. I'm not sure. If, the other one's not made, made official yet, but it seems pretty likely that it will be added at some point. Starting with... Not one, but two matches with the women that we might be getting at TakeOver. Potentially three. Um, based off, you know, I know they're doing Tiganox and Candice. That's probably not happening at TakeOver. Um, but three different women's feuds going on right now in that women's division, which is really fucking cool. So we had Dakota Kai, not Rhea Ripley, winning last night on NXT to become the new number one contender to the NXT Women's Championship against Io Shirai at TakeOver 30. I don't know what we said last week. I'm pretty sure we both said Ripley um, was a shoe-in to win, and I was honestly very surprised that she didn't. But it makes sense that she didn't because Rhea got the match cost by her. Um, The match was interfered. uh, Mercedes Martinez interfered in the match, cost Ripley the win, and uh, therefore probably setting up a match between the two, hopefully at TakeOver, um, which I think has a lot of potential to be great. And uh, I talked to Ripley this past week. It sounds like she might be main roster bound very, very soon. Um, Mr. Marceau, what were your thoughts on that surprising finish with Dakota Kai beating Rhea Ripley on Wednesday night? Yeah, no, I, th- I thought it was good. I, I think I mentioned last week, I said the only way Ripley would lose is Mer- Mercedes Martinez interfered. So it's nice to see that. Um, it kind of gives Ripley an out. And if she is main roster bound soon, she could put over Martinez before she gets called up. Um, so I think that's kind of a win-win. I think that should be a fun match as well. And then Kai and Io, I mean, I, I think Io should, I mean, I think she'll win. Um, but I don't, I don't think they've ever really had a one-on-one, so I think that would be a good little fun match as well. And I really do like uh, Dakota, especially since her heel turn. So both matches, definitely interesting. And I, like you said, I'm glad that they're also doing Tegan and Candice as well. Might not be at the pay-per-view, but just another women's feud. Uh, the main roster could really uh, use that a little bit more. It feels like we have more women's feuds in NXT than we do on Raw and SmackDown combined. Like, how sad is that? Like, when you really think about it, we have Bailey and, and nobody right now because she already beat Nikki Cross. We have the, you know, Bailey or I'm sorry, Asuka and Sasha Banks storyline. They're doing Mandy and Sonya. And I guess the Riot Squad stuff. So they do have three, but still. Between two brands with the amount of depth they have on, on both brands' women's divisions, that's really bad. Um, real quickly, I want I want to mention this before we go further with the women from NXT. Uh, what were your thoughts, Mr. Marceau, on the Alexa Bliss reveal um, last week on the show on SmackDown when she was attacked by the Fiend Bray Wyatt? Take my pesos. I fucking loved it. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw that on SmackDown, I think it's great. I mean, I'm interested to see what they do with it. I, I told you via text. I think 
Braun will come back to save her, in quotes, and then she'll just kind of align with Bray, I feel like. I feel like that could be a pretty good dynamic with her character. She's been the same, like, either bitchy heel or sympathetic baby face, but she's still, like, the same character, so I think switching her up a little bit and putting her with Bray, like, as, like, a follower or something could be really, really interesting, so... Um, I'm definitely a big fan of hers, and I thought that that whole segment was really, really well done. Yeah, I think that'd be really, really cool. Um, before we go further with the Ripley Kai stuff, Alexis, what were your thoughts on the Alexa Bliss Fiend angle from SmackDown? That was so awesome. As soon as I saw it, I started fangirling, cause like I didn't think they would actually do it. No, I didn't. That's why I was so excited because like Alexa Bliss again, like RJ said, has been the same for a while. So like to see her in that circle or to see anybody really to see Bray Wyatt like wanting to bring other people in mm-hmm. I guess like out outside of himself is really cool if it happens if I it mean, does he, happen he, they never really hinted to that that's merely yeah. fantasy booking at this point but if they go in that direction it would be cool to say yeah it would be because as far as we're concerned like he's the only one that's been involved in the whole Firefly Funhouse shit but like I don't know it, it'd just be really cool yeah, so. yeah, I think so too. Uh, Ripley, Kai, your thoughts on on Kai beating Ripley, and now we might be getting Ripley and Martina as a takeover. Uh, not the biggest fan of that because I don't really care for Dakota Kai, but at the same time, I think she needed a win, so I thought it was, like good for her. And Martinez, I fucking love her. I'm a huge fan of her. Um, so good for her too. And Rhea Ripley's probably gonna end up on like SmackDown, so. And she's happy with that as far as we're concerned, so. Raw SmackDown, you say SmackDown? I say SmackDown, yeah. What about you, RJ? Raw or SmackDown for Ripley? SmackDown, they have no one else. <laughs> yeah, they have nobody. What do you mean they have Dana Brooke, dude? Then Carmella and um, and, and, and no one else. That's about it, yeah. <laughs> Basically, but if, unless they repackage Bliss with Bray, there's no one else. Listen, Nikki Cross at this point is just a glorified loser. She's a sore mm-hmm. loser. She, she, why doesn't she turn heel? She's the one that's been acting like, oh, Alexa, I can beat Bailey. Clearly she can't, and she didn't. <laughs> You're a loser. Sonya and Mandy are like the only two women on that show, aside from Bailey and Sasha, that I actually care about. Carmella has not been on there in forever. Naomi is great, and they're, they're finally, hopefully, doing something with her. But again, same character for the longest time, so it kind of feels like she's hit a wall there. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I'm looking forward to Kai and Shirai, first time ever for the NXT Women's Championship at TakeOver. Um, and we also had our newest member of the NXT North American Championship ladder match announced with Damian Priest beating Oni Lorcan and Ridge Highland in a triple threat match to qualify. Um, Alexis, I'll start with you. What were your thoughts on Priest advancing over Lorcan and Holland? Kind of predictable. Probably mm-hmm. the weakest triple threat match they've done to date. Still good. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But to me right now, Priest is looking like the early favorite to win that championship, based off who they've announced so far. I I think so, because I mentioned this to you a while ago, but, like, I just feel like Damien Priest has not won a big match at all since he's been here. Like, I think he needed that. Um, And he he pinned Oni Lorcan, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was good. Um, I think Damien Priest, as far as I'm concerned, is, like, he's going to stand out in that match that they're going to have. Yeah, I think so. And the thing is, is that he stood out, and I know you guys aren't the biggest Damian Priest fans, but mm. I'm, I'm a fan of his. He has stood out in a lot of different scenarios, and it's not just the right opponent. Like, he's had very good matches with, you know, the Cameron Grimes matches were fine. The Finn Balor match was probably the best of that show at TakeOver in your house a couple of months ago. Um, the matches with Pete Dunne were really, really good. The Keith Lee matches were really, really good. 
Lost practically all of them, though. So, again, he needed the big win. I think he needs to win a takeover. Um, unless Johnny advances, which is very likely, and I could see him winning, too. He kind of doesn't need a big win, but it would make sense if he did win the championship back. I, I guess we'll get to that when we get to it in a couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, so Damian Priest, the newest member of the ladder match at TakeOver. Uh, what were your thoughts, RJ? Pretty predictable. We discussed last week. I think it was, he was a shoe-in to win this match. That was, like you said, weakest match out of the, all the three away so far as well. But um, nice to see Priest. He's kind of going more of a babyface, different character. So I've been vibing a little bit more with him than I have in the past. But like Alexis said, he hasn't won a big-time match since being on NXT. So he really needed this one. Yeah, I, I would agree, too. So when I interviewed him about a month, month and a half ago or so, he had mentioned that the Damian Priest that we see now is more of actually who he is and has been since... Like, it, like, like, unlike any other character that he's done up to this point, like in Ring of Honor, NXT, whatever. And I could definitely see that. I like what they're doing with Priest. I liked, I, I didn't like the whole, you know, I'm, you know, the, he has like a, a deep voice. He's not putting on a fake voice when he talks. Um, he was like this demon in Ring of Honor. And like, mm, it, it works with certain people. With him, it just kind of felt phony. Um, in NXT, when he first showed up, he's a big guy, very talented, never really found the right character. He was just the generic bad guy five, like generic bad guy <laughs> five with the women by his side, wearing the jacket, like, oh, Boomy, because I'm an asshole, whatever. Didn't really work for him too well, because that's not really who he is in reality. And when I talked to him, he said that Shawn Michaels was actually the one that brought up the idea of him kind of acting like who he is in real life, very likable guy, kind of like... Whatever, he sounds like a normal human being now when he talks, which is cool. And his voice has always been the same, but how he talks is a different thing. So, um, cool to see that he won. I think he's going to want to win the championship at TakeOver. We have another qualifier next week. We got Kushida versus Cameron Grimes versus a mystery third man. Who's the mystery third man, Marso? And are they going to go on to win that whole qualifier next week, do you think? Classic TSM throws me on the fucking loop. Who's the mystery <laughs> Christ. Um, oh, God, I honestly could not fucking tell you. Uh, hopefully, I mean, if it's up to me, it would be Santos Escobar would be the mystery guy. I would have him in the match. I mean, I don't think they go in that direction. That's what I would do. Um, I'm assuming whoever the mystery guy is will probably win. That's kind of just how they normally do that stuff. They book a match with a mystery opponent. Normally, they win. Uh, if not, I think Cameron Grimes could win. I think they've been pushing him a lot lately. On NXT, and he's had some pretty good work as well um, with Priest and Keith Lee and such. So uh, I would say either the Mr. Guy, I would want it to be Santos Escobar. Probably not going to be him. Um, but if not, I'd say Cameron Grimes. I, I think that'd be sick. I think they have this. I don't want to say that they're limited to the Cruiserweight division because it could be like an Isaiah Swerve Scott. We saw him mix it up with Johnny Gargano not long ago. Um, so they have interacted the cruiserweights with the regular NXT stars. So it wouldn't be out of the out of the ordinary to say that we could see uh, uh, freaking Kushida. He's a cruiserweight guy and he's in this match. So I could definitely see um, you know a cruiserweight star getting involved. He's already the cruiserweight champion. Uh, I'm not sure they would want to go in that direction. I think it'd be cool because I think the guy is great. They could be doing honestly more with Santos. He was on the show last night. They attacked Brazongo, but he has no real threat. He did call out Isaiah Swerve Scott. Um, but that's about it. I don't see him being in the match, but that would be a good pick. Um, regardless of who it is, I do see Cameron Grimes winning. Um, he's another guy that he's picked up some notable wins over the likes of, um, I think he beat Damian Priest recently. He beat, 
um, Finn. Finn Balor a couple of months ago. He's beaten Kushida before, actually. So he's picked him some decent wins in the pit. He actually beat Dominic Dijakovic a couple of months ago as well. He's picked up some decent wins. Um, I could see him winning here. Maybe not the championship itself, but it's very possible. Like you said, they, they seem to be very high on Cameron Grimes. I'm not a big fan of him myself, but in the ring, the guy is really, really good. And I thought the Keith Lee match was good. He's been pushed hard. Um, I could definitely see him doing very well in that ladder match environment. Um, what about you, Alexis? Who do you see winning? Who do you see being that third mystery man? Um, well, when it was first announced, I thought it was going to be Johnny, but then they did the whole, um, what what was it again? It was like, oh, all the losers. The last chance, which I'll get to in a second. But yeah. yeah. So at first that was my thought, but now I have no fucking clue. Like, I, I really don't know. But I as soon as I saw the matchup, I thought, okay, Johnny's going to win. But since Johnny's not in that match, it's probably going to be Grimes. Yeah, I think so as well. So you mentioned the last chance thing. Mm -hmm. It feels like NXT does this a lot. Yeah. And I, I, I like the concept when you do it once in a while. Like they did it with the women's ladder match a couple of months ago. And they, I'm, I'm sure they've done it another time too um, that I just can't remember. But I'm sure they did another time where the people who either aren't pinned or the losers of each match, they put them in one match to determine who else can be a part of that same match. They get a second chance. They do this a lot, and to me, I don't like it, because it kind of says, well, these triple threat matches honestly don't really matter. Yeah, what's the point? Because if they lose, they just get another opportunity, and another opportunity. Like Kevin Owens said on Talking Smack a couple of years ago, and another opportunity, and another opportunity. I, I don't like that. Um, and we're getting that again. And I like the concept, like, you know, Johnny wasn't pinned, and uh, who was the other Finn. guy? Finn wasn't pinned. Ridge Holland wasn't pinned. So they'll be in qualifying matches against each other when we find out who loses next week. Yeah, it's cool, but, like, they've done it before. And to me, it hurts the value of these triple threat matches if literally anyone can lose and you just get another shot anyway. Mm -hmm. Kind of demeans it, in my opinion. Um, what did you think, Mr. Marceau? Do you like the whole last chance gauntlet? Not gauntlet ship. I like the whole concept. No, I completely agree with you. Like you said, it's like the Kevin Owens from Talking Smack. Like, they're like, oh, they get another chance. He's like, I already beat them already, so why did they get another chance? Like, mm -hmm. obviously, like you said, they didn't get pinned, but that's like saying you were in a race, but you came in third, you weren't the first loser, so you get to run in the next race and then another chance to go to the championship. Even mm -hmm. though you lost. Like, we'll give you another. It just, it's kind of like, like the millennial, like everyone gets a trophy. <laughs> yeah, you didn't win, but you weren't the one that actually lost, so we'll give you another chance. Like, I don't think that, it, like you said as well, if done sparingly, like, oh, that's pretty neat. Like, they're giving them but they've done it multiple, multiple times on NXT, and it is kind of getting tiresome at this point. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We'll see who else advances. I could see Gargano and Finn being a part of it, because I don't see them being a part of any other match on that show. I don't think Holland's going to win. He's been undefeated so far, but, I mean, Holland versus Finn Balor. Like, is Balor going to really miss over 30? Probably not. Mm -hmm. uh, so moving over to Dynamite, we'll talk, or actually, real quickly, before we move on to Dynamite, I did want to bring this up, because it was, how could I forget, it was the fucking biggest part of the show. We have Undisputed Era versus Finn Balor. For, I'm sorry, Undisputed Era versus Imperium for the NXT Tag Team Titles. I don't know why I said Finn Balor. Um, so they have the match. It's a good match. It's a complete afterthought, though, because it's obviously just supposed to be a backstory for the Adam Cole, Pat McAfee stuff happening at ringside. I'm going to be honest with you, dude. I don't care. I don't. I thought the angle they did here was good. I thought the intensity was there. 
I guess Adam Cole's supposed to be a babyface. They're playing their roles well. Pat McAfee came across like an asshole, even though it was Cole who stormed off his show initially. That's why I'm kind of confused as what the dynamic is supposed to be here. I have no interest in seeing Pat McAfee in a WWE ring. I don't think there's this swarm, like this overwhelming majority of fans that want to see a Pat McAfee match. They don't. Like, I just don't really see what purpose this is supposed to serve. If this is Adam Cole's swan song from NXT and he fucking loses to Pat McAfee, come on, dude. Like, has he? have they really run out of ideas for this group that they're having him feud with a guy? Like, I know this goes back over a year. They've been bickering back and forth on social media and on NXT TV. Pat McAfee is not a trained professional wrestler. That's not to say, like, with certain celebrities, I think it'd be cool. Like, oh, that'd be cool if that person got in the ring. I don't know if anyone has ever said that about Pat fucking McAfee. <laughs> like, I think it's, just, it's stupid. I really just don't care. Despite how well they built up the angle, it's it's like NXT doesn't do celebrity matches. So why start now? Like, if it made sense, but this, it just doesn't make sense. So uh, I, you thought it was dumb, too, right? Mr. Marceau, what do you think about it? Yeah, I think if I, like you, I, I'm going to go off your what you said. I think the intensity, everything they did was very well done. I think just the way that they, the roles they played, everything they said was good. The kind of back and forth, the actual action, I thought all that was great. Just the people, like I don't want to see a Pat McAfee versus Adam Cole match. Like that does nothing for me. If I would say maybe like he's starting to get on Adam Cole's skin and like maybe he'll have someone wrestle for him. But then when he got like actually physical with Cole last night, that's when I'm like, oh shit, we're exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think intense, like everything they did was good. It's just the wrong people, and I was kind of annoyed that the championship match was like you said an underthought. It wasn't really a big deal to them. Like they were more pumping up this like tension between McAfee. And Cole, when I I was kind of really enjoying, hoping to enjoy that match, I really like both teams. So I just think Beth Phoenix being wicked, like soft, be like you're being mean to Adam Cole. The guy's a heel. Why do you give a shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're like now they're making Adam Cole a babyface when he's been a fucking dick heel on TV for two years, and all of a sudden Beth Phoenix is gonna come to his come save him and jump off commentary because she doesn't feel comfortable. Because he said that Adam Cole's a small little guy, like. That that would kind of annoy me. I thought that was so stupid. Like they're like, you're so mean. Like he's saying not like they made it seem like he was like assaulting the guy's family. He just said he was mm-hmm. short. Yeah. It. So I think that everything they did, like physically and the presentation, was good. But like the the things that they said and kind of what they're looking forward to, like an actual match, I'm completely out on. And here's the thing: I don't even mind the idea of an Adam Cole babyface turn because he's done everything as a heel. Um, as a babyface, I don't really mind it. I just don't think Pat McAfee's the right guy for the role. Um, if not him, who else is there? Well, I mean, they have Karrion Cross for one, and obviously he's going for the NXT Championship very likely at the next takeover, so that's not happening. Tommaso Ciampa's been MIA ever since he fucking, you know, lost uh, Cross two months ago. They could bring him back as a heel, maybe do that match again, have Ciampa win, get his win back. That could work. I wouldn't mind that, and that'd be kind of cool. Um, I'm trying to think of other heels and guys they have on that show that he hasn't faced yet, because it feels like Adam Cole's literally faced and beaten everybody. Um, I'm not sure, but Pat McAfee feels like they're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Um, Your thoughts, Alexis? I just think, like, Adam Cole's still such a huge deal after his, like, amazing NXT championship reign, but, like, like, 
to have him potentially face this nobody that I have no idea who he is, like, it's it's just embarrassing because, like, like you said, he could face, like, Ciampa and it would be such a big deal because, like, if I was watching that and if Ciampa beat Adam Cole, I'd be like, wow, like, he could have won that title from him. Like, that's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Or a cross, too. Like, um, you don't, I mean, this is a side note, but you don't necessarily need a, a title to make, like, a big match. Adam Cole is such a big character right now and he's so huge that like he's such a he's such a big deal to put him with like fucking Pat McAfee like I don't care I don't give a shit as far as I'm concerned like I saw the the video that you showed me that's all I know about him so I know that he had like this little radio show thing that's all I know so why do I give a fuck I don't care yeah I think it's more the fact that they're trying to appease or go to the younger like our, our i would say like our our age range that's yep. what they're trying to do Pat mcafee's like had us some kind of affiliation with barstool sports mm-hmm. which is a big young adult teenage demographic he's on he's used to play in the nfl so like he's kind of known for that mm-hmm. now he has his own show now that he's away from barstool it has the same kind of demographics as well like i said young adults um, teenage range, so I think that's why that's why they're using him. They try to get more mainstream, worldwide attention because, like you said, most people probably don't know who he is. But that demographic of eighteen to thirty males know who he is, and mm-hmm. he's popular with that demographic. So I think that's the reason they're using him. I, I wouldn't say it's the, probably the best thing, but out of anyone else that's in the public now, if they're trying for that demographic, he's probably the perfect person for that. Yeah, no, probably. I mean, like you said, that, that's actually a very good point. That's probably a big reason as to why they're doing this right now because they need people from the demographic. Um, the whole 50-plus shit for NXT, I'm not exactly sure why people that are 50 and older are watching NXT. I'm not really sure why <laughs> that, how that makes sense, but um, I'm not even sure they know what NXT is for the most part. But anyway, um, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's very good logic, Mr. Marceau. That would make sense. It doesn't make me care about it, but that does explain why they're probably doing it. Um, as we wind the, down here from Dynamite, I thought it was a very good show overall this week. I thoroughly enjoyed Dynamite, um, specifically the main event, the John Moxley, Darby Allen, AEW World Championship Clash. These guys always work well together. They had a great match on Dynamite late last year. Um, Alexis and I saw a match between them at a Northeast Wrestling show. It was John Moxley's first indie show back anywhere, and they faced off in the main event. Had a great match there as well. Um, yeah, just I, I, I love the chemistry these guys have. Darby Allen was never going to win, obviously, but I thought he looked great in defeat. The only issue I had with the main event with the match was that MJF interfered, and it's that dumb heel shit. Like, he was, like, upset afterward that, oh, Moxley didn't lose the title. Then fucking stay to ensure that he loses the championship. Like, he hit him with the belt and then ran off before he could, you know, ensure that Moxley was no longer champion. I didn't really feel that was necessary. I feel like they could have just got MJF out of there entirely. Um, I thought the campaign stuff they did backstage was a lot of fun. I thought that was great. The match itself, though, on the whole, very, very good stuff. Uh, from Allen, as always, Moxley looked great. He could have cut, very, uh, cut a very good promo earlier on in the evening. And now all sites are set on Moxley and MJF for the AEW World Championship at All Out. Um, what were your thoughts, Mr. Marceau, on the Moxley all are all in? It, it is all in when you spell his name like that. Um, Darby, the, the Darby Moxley <laughs> main event for the AEW World Title. I thought it was a pretty good match. I'm not a big fan of either guy, really. Um, I thought for the time they had, they had a pretty good match. Hated the MJF interference, like you said. 
he basically come out there to try to screw Moxley, but then he, like you said, ran away. If you're gonna, if you really want to screw the guy, make sure you're there and make sure the deed's done. I mean, you and your big bodyguard can make sure this guy doesn't win the match yep. if you really want to. Um, I'm gonna go on a totally different belief than you. I am over this fucking campaign shit. It feels like WWE light, mm-hmm. and MF is he doesn't need to do that shit. That's that's my main issue with it. He can go out and just cut a promo. I don't need him to be like. Oh, I'm a presidential candidate. Vote for me. Like, it's just so WWE, like, raw, <laughs> freaking bullshit that I'm just, they don't like. like and he doesn't need the, you, that you, it's one thing if you need that to get over and you need that to, like, talk. He doesn't need that. That's, that's why I'm annoyed by it. Cause it's like, like I said, it just feels so WWE esque. And he's so much better and so much, so much better of a talker that he doesn't need this fucking bullshit oh who's me as your candidacy just so dumb i hate it i'm i'm just going on a rant but i just think so much better than this and just he doesn't need it i i it's like making me not like him you can be the tiebreaker here alexis whose mindset are you more of uh i I thoroughly enjoy the segments are you more mr marceau mindset though where you just don't like it or do you fall somewhere in the middle i i like it i thought it was entertaining i think um, you can give mjf like a cardboard box and he'd make a great promo out of it like okay. I, I think he's very creative and he's a really good talker like mm-hmm. every time he has a mic in his hand i stop what i'm doing and i i listen because he's he's very good at what he does mm-hmm. um he's a little over the top with it sometimes but like he's got a whole campaign team and he brought new people in like i don't know it, it's it's a little dramatic sometimes but at the same time I enjoy it for the most part. Yeah, no, I've enjoyed them. I could definitely see where RJ's coming from, though, with the whole WWE thing. I totally get that. Um, I think he's making the most of it. I, I've enjoyed it, but it does feel like something we have seen before in WWE several times over. Um, speaking of elections and politics and campaigns, <laughs> we got a debate on this show. Very, very politic-heavy was this show. The Jericho and Orange Cassidy debate, with Eric Bischoff serving as the special guest uh, moderator. Now, I thought that was cool to see Bischoff on the show. Um, I know it's been spoiled. The news has been out now for a while. Still thought it was cool to see him. Uh, glad they didn't take the easy route and have him like make a joke about, oh, they fired me from writing SmackDown. Like, No, he kept it clean. He, he played his role exactly as he should have. I have zero desire to see Bischoff on an on-air role in 2020. I, I completely agree with the masses on that. Mm-hmm. I like Bischoff. No reason for him to be on the show on a regular role in 2020. But that I thought he was perfect here. And I, I want to get your thoughts, RJ, because I know you really weren't looking forward to this. Um, I agreed with you going in. I didn't have high hopes, given the Cassidy character. The Jericho-Cassidy feud is kind of starting to run its course. Um, I didn't really think a rematch was necessary, but I thought this was really, really good. I'm glad that Cassidy finally stepped up and fucking talked. This is what he should have done weeks ago, but at least we're finally getting it now. Cut a very good promo at the end and told a great story in saying that, Jericho, if you lose to me next week, you're a joke. You're an embarrassment. Why would you be losing to me? Now, when he says that, he's obviously shitting on himself, calling himself a comedy character, but that's exactly what he is, so at least he's self-aware. Um, but he's right. Jericho would be considered a joke if he lost to Orange Cassidy next week. So I thought the whole thing was great. I actually really, 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 really enjoyed this and thought it was one of the best parts of the show right next to the main event. So uh, what about you, Mr. Marceau? Did you like the debate? Did it exceed your expectations or no? Was it exactly what you thought it would be? Uh, the beginning it was definitely ex- exactly what I thought it was going to be, just like Jericho fucking bitching and him not really saying anything. I'm like, this is just so dumb. But I actually did enjoy the pro- like. The promo that he cut, like, made sense, like you said. 
um, acknowledging that he is a is a loser and a comedy character. He's basically saying like, you you keep saying this is the biggest match in my life, but this is the biggest match in your life as well. Because if you lose, you'd be known as the guy that lost to the guy with his hands in his pockets. I mean, like you said, he it's like self aware, but it's just like the match doesn't need it doesn't need to happen. Jericho beat him. I don't know. I've like I've not really been into this feud because I don't think it really. It doesn't doesn't anything for Jericho because if he wins, it's like okay, you beat a loser. But if he loses, like oh my god, he lost a loser. So it's a lose lose for him. It doesn't really matter. I think for him, I mean, if Orange Cassidy wins, biggest win of his life. But then what do you do with him? You're not gonna put the fucking world title on the guy. Yep. So yeah. I thought for I thought the beginning was just like what I thought it was. I thought his promo was nice to hear him talk, and I think what he said was good. I just I like you said. I think it's running. I just don't really care about the feud itself. Your thoughts, Alexis. I mean, I thought the the segment was kind of funny. I knew at some point Orange Cassidy was going to say something. Like, I mean, they could have him not say anything, but I, I don't know. I just didn't see that playing out particularly. But I agree with RJ. Like, the whole feud is kind of stupid because, like, Chris Jericho's not even on the same playing field as Orange Cassidy. Like, I love Orange Cassidy. Don't get me wrong, and I love Chris Jericho, but, like, those two are, like, Ironically, they're apples and oranges. Mm-hmm. No pun intended, but... Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like fun. like RJ said, if he loses to Orange Cassidy, like, you're fucking loser. But, like, if if uh, Chris Jericho wins, it's like, okay, what, like, why was I anticipating something different? Like, Chris Jericho should be winning? I, I don't know. I know they're just having fun, but it's, I don't know. I just think it's weird. Yeah, no, we discussed this before, RJ and I did, that Jericho winning does more damage to the Orange Cassidy. And Orange Cassidy should not be beating Chris Jericho. So I just don't really see what a rematch... They obviously want to kill time before they get to All Out, which I'm not sure what they're going to do yet, because All Out is in like a month. After next Wednesday, it's going to be in like three weeks. I don't think if they were going to do Jericho and Mike Tyson, they would wait that long to build it up. So I just I don't think they're doing the match at this point, which is why would you even do the the, the fucking angle in the first place to set it up? Maybe it fell through. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll do it in uh, double or nothing next year. I don't know. I feel like to build up a three week, uh, could they do a rubber match? Eh, I don't know. I don't know. The whole Jericho thing it just seems odd at this point. Um, I, I've enjoyed the feud, but it just kind of feels like a holding pattern until they get to something else involving him. Um, so also from Dynamite, before we get done here, um, I thought those two parts of the show were good. Um, quick thoughts, RJ, and the in-ring AEW debut of Matt Cardona, the former Zack Ryder, beating the Dark Order alongside Cody. Uh, it was a tag team match. Cardona and Cody won. Pretty much all I got for you. <laughs> Listen, I enjoyed this. It was this. a decent match. It was a decent match. I think Cody was overselling at points and then not selling at points. It was like... The match was set up to, like, kind of down the line tease tension between them because Cody, like, could have easily tied up plenty of times and kept, like, trying to be, like, the strong, like, I can fight through the pain and Cardona was just, like, standing there because there were plenty of times you could have tied up if he was really that hurt and stuff. Um, but I think that's obviously where it's going to go. I, I hope it's not the Sean Spears 2.0 that Cardona turns on Cody. I think Cody's been very heelishly lately. So I think Cody will be the one to turn heel on Cardona. Um, so I, I, I think that's the direction they're going to go with. Um, but I just thought it was like a decent standard tag team match. Listen, I enjoy this, but I know you agree, RJ. Why would it have taken them 10 minutes to beat <laughs> fucking John 
Silver and Alex Reynolds. <laughs> Come on, that's, bro. Well, that's why I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to go on a rant. Just Dude. See, everyone's got to everyone's got to have a competitive match. Everyone has to get fifty fifty offense, and it just is what it is. I don't know. I don't know, dude. That just really bothered me. I liked the match. I, lo- I thought Cardona looked really good, but the fact that it would take them fucking 10 minutes to beat these jabrones. It's not even Stu Grayson and Evil Una who were undefeated up until last week. That I would understand. They're two fucking losers. Like, I know they really wanted to build up the hot tag and Cardona get this big moment. Then have him face an actual tag team then. If you want to do that shit, have him face the fucking, you know, uh, Santana and Ortiz tag team or something like that. You know what I mean? Like... Come on, dude. I thought that was really dumb. And they're losers, too. They, they lost, lost again. They lost best friends, like, twice. They lost the best friends again. They're clearly continuing that feud. What, dude, I'm, we're not going to talk about that. We, we've talked about that before. I just... No, no, we got to talk about it because it's funny <laughs> that, that, that you're bringing this up. I'm glad you brought this up because I want to talk about it. Go ahead. This. So, last night, they fucking lose the best friends again. They trash the mom's van. Who could give a fucking rat's ass about that? <laughs> I happen to just be watching. I'm watching it on mute or yeah, no volume. I'm listening to hashtag SGSM and he jumps on and I'm listening. And he said, I would transfer Santana Ortiz because they're losers. They recently had lost the best friends. And I laughed out loud because they literally had just lost the best friends again. <laughs> <laughs> have been losers since they joined. AEW. They easily the most irrelevant group people in the inner circle not like they've been letting the world on fire in the wins column but i just i think these guys could have been a lot more and they're just kind of lost in the shuffle losing to just everybody like i couldn't tell you last time they won a match that mattered okay they beat the fucking honestly they probably couldn't even beat the natural nightmares on dark i was about to say (laughs) so i just don't understand what's going on with them i thought they were great in impact. They thought they'd come in with a lot of buzz. They'd be in this big group. Maybe they'd get a tag run. Don't think that's happening anytime soon. They can't win a fucking match. So <laughs> I don't think they're going to be trained fucking hatch ahead again. So we'll see what happens. But uh, hatchet head, Jesus Christ. I just, I just, I, I had, I guess my expectations were way too high for them. I really like Santana. I think I, I'm not really a big fan of the guy with the afro. I think that's Ortiz. He's just, <laughs> just the guy with the afro. No, I, I I get their names mixed up too. To be honest with you, I think Ortiz is the one with the afro. When he once he fucking did twenty bumps in the fucking orange juice, I just lost <laughs> in him. So, um, yep. Besides that, I just I think they're good as a team. I just. AEW just dropped the ball off them so badly. Big time. I was hoping after they lost last night that they're going to tell this story like, oh, you know, they're you know they're down in their luck. Maybe they'll break away from Inner Circle and maybe like they'll bring in Eva Lise and Eddie Kingston. And I've heard people bring this up before. They can reform a different version of LAX and maybe your buddy Hernandez, but he's an impact right now. So I don't see that happening. Maybe Homicide. He's been in NWA, but Eddie Kingston was in NWA, so they could bring him in if they wanted to. Um, I just, I don't know, bro. I just, it hurts. It hurts because it's not like, oh, they were big stars. They were big fish in a small pond and impact. Brian Cage was an impact and he has so far done very well for himself in AEW. So it's not a matter of like what company they're coming from. They could do very well for themselves in AEW if they book them properly. They just fucking don't. And it's not their fault. It's not a Kenny Omega situation where it's like, oh, they win all the time. They're just, you know, their matches aren't the same. They haven't had many memorable matches, but I think it's more a matter of the booking and how they're just made to look like fucking losers. And, like, the whole comedy thing, I don't know. I feel like you have enough comedy acts as it is, dude. You don't need them to be doing comedy. 
Like, just, I, I miss the old LAX from Impact. I, I just don't like the whole, oh, destroy the best friend's mom's van. Like, come on. Like, to build a rematch for what? Fucking what? The fifth spot in the power rankings? Get the fuck over it. Like, stop it. This is, it's it's dumb as hell. Um, but overall, though, like I said, I really enjoyed the show. Thought it was good. Um, the, the big swole Reba shit was fucking terrible. Reba sucks. Rebel is terrible. She is so bad in the ring. It's it's unbelievable. Thankfully, it was a minute long. Um, that was bad. The Matt Hardy stuff I enjoyed. I thought the opener. I actually liked the the 12-man opener. I'm going to be honest with you. I was, uh, I was skeptical because last week's 10-man sucked. Mm-hmm. There were no two referees. They said there would be. There wasn't. Unless I missed something. I didn't see two referees. Um, but the match was good. The Dark Order won. They're clearly teasing something with Paige and FTR, which I like. So, um, yeah, I, I thought the show was, was good overall. Any closing thoughts on Dynamite RJ and that opening 12-man tag team match? What were your thoughts? So, I, th- I think the Matt Hardy segment, like, that stuff was good. I just don't care about the feud. That, that was something they had teased, like, well before COVID was starting. Now they're going back to it. I just, I don't know. I think it was done well. I just don't really care about the feud. I like Sammy, but... He's another one of the inner circle that just can't fucking buy a win, so why would I really care about him? But I thought what they did last night was very well done. I just, I mean, I'm not I agree. clamoring. I'm not clamoring for the feud, but the 12 man, it just the issue with it is I just I think it's just it's just like a car. There's just so much going on. There's fucking no one tagging. There's 50 million people in the ring, flip flopping everywhere. I'm like, no one's selling anything. I'm like, okay, and then when I like did. Dax get hurt? Is it storyline? I think it's story. I mean, I think the way that they presented it was definitely like a storytelling thing and just obviously kayfabe, he's not actually hurt. But what I don't get is if a trainer's out there to help him out, why the hell would Cash and Adam Page go out? Like, it's not like he was like dead on the ground. Like, the the trainer could have just taken him back to the back and you just finish the match and then you go check on him after. So I thought that was weird. But like you said, they definitely are teasing clearly teasing him some alignment with them because he why else would he go back with them mm-hmm. um and they kind of tease a little bit with him and Brody lee and the dark order like we've done that already please don't fucking ruin page do not put him in the fucking dark order i'm sorry I agree. they t- yeah. it took the they took they basically got their ass kicked by three different three guys they had six people and they got their ass kicked and then page came out to help them out but like they didn't look that strong and then they won so uh, the thing, the Dark Order, I'm just, I'm not a big fan of theirs as well. I just don't think. I agree. I yeah, they it. just, I yeah. No, I understand. I understand. I understand what's going on. I just don't think, like, a normal person's like, these guys lose all the time. And if they beat anyone, it's someone that sucks. <laughs> and it, I, I don't care about fucking Sarah J being in the group. Sarah J. Fucking. The Abaddon. Ask, don't care. Cole Cabana. Abaddon. I <laughs> <laughs> fucking hate Abaddon. Uh, yeah, I just think, and I hate the fucking Mr. Brody Lee, like, Vince McMahon, ho oh, ho, like, it's funny, that's stupid. <laughs> I hope they just eventually lose and they just move on. Um, I think that's, the issue with AEW as well is, like, they have all these heel teams, but they don't win anything. Mm-hmm. Like, Inner Circle, they have never really won a big thing. Taz is a little faction, they haven't won anything. Dark Order, they haven't won fucking shit, like, they just got it's like the WWE version of building up these heel factions and feeding them the Roman Reigns. Instead, you just feel them, feed them to the elite and John Moxley. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. That we we we've talked about the factions before. They have way too many factions that just don't mean anything. Yeah, you're not. You know, you're, you're forgetting about um, 
what is it? Uh, the Death Triangle with Pentagon, Phoenix, and pa- Pack. Obviously, oh, yeah. you know, Pack's not there right now. <laughs> that's another one, too. That's so irrelevant. That's why you forgot about that's it. That's so irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. Um, any closing thoughts on Dynamite, Alexis? It was a decent show. I mean, nothing really stood out to me too much aside from the debate. Um, but it was decent. It, it wasn't like one of their better shows, but it also wasn't bad. Yeah, I thought it was a great show. I thought the main event was great. Mm-hmm. I really like Moxley and Allen. I loved the debate. I thought the opening tag match was good. Um, the Cardona in-ring debut was well done. I enjoyed the show. So I'm looking forward to seeing what's next for AEW, NXT, Raw. Going to get to all of it next week right here on WrestleRant Radio. Uh, Sans Alexis, she won't be back next week. This is a special appearance because I'm sitting in her house without fucking power right now. I mean, you have power. I don't have power. Yeah, and I literally put a chair next to your chair, so Just I so kind of forced myself on the show. Be on the podcast. Yay! Then. Anyway, um, we'll be back next week, Mr. Marceau and I, to break down the latest in the WWE world, AEW world, and beyond. Um, My exclusive interview with Dolph Ziggler should be on that show, I think, um, at the beginning of it. So keep an eye out, ear out for that at the beginning of the show next week. Um, It was from a couple of weeks ago before he uh, faced Drew McIntyre on Raw, so... Keep an ear out for that. But in the meantime, check out WrestleRant Radio on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play. We're all over the place, baby. WrestleRantRadio.com as well. Check it out for full information on the show. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show for new Thursday or new episodes, excuse me, every single Thursday. Um, WrestleRant.com, the all new domain for NextAirWrestling.net, which does do it, still works. If you go to NextAirWrestling.net, it just redirects you to WrestleRant.com. But WrestleRant.com is the new um, ultimate destination for all the podcasts, videos, articles, reviews, everything, including RJ's Two Cents. So check it all out right now at WrestleRant.com. Mr. Marceau, people can find you on the Twitter machine at RJ underscore Marceau. And, um, yeah, this has been great, brother. I'll talk to you next week. Any closing thoughts as we uh, go right off into the sunset here? Uh, the only closing thoughts is, I, I mean, I think people probably, if they listen to this, think I'm very negative on AEW. <laughs> I'm very negative. But my point of being negative is I want an alternative to WWE. I want to see WWE light every week. So that is why I'm so negative on them. I want them to succeed. I want them. I mean, we went to the first show. I fucking spent a ton of money just to go to Vegas to see the first show. So mm-hmm. And, their, sec- and their second ever Dynamite. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to see WWE lights. The more that they can fix this shit and make it its own separate thing, the more I'll be happy with it. Um, but besides that, um, does Next Era Wrestling dot Weebly still work? Or <laughs> honestly, <laughs> you know what? That's a great question. I'm pretty sure it still does. Let me just double check. I don't think it does anymore. I thought it did. I don't think it does. Let me while I have you on the line, so we can figure this out right now. You're throwing me back all the way to 2014 when I would like mess up the fucking URL on the show and I would have to say next to wrestling. What was it? Next to wrestling.weebly.com. Um, let's see. I don't. Yes, it does. Next to wrestling.weebly.com goes to wrestlerant.com. So don't be plugging that shit. Next to wrestling is like the old. We're, we're like erasing the NEW initials here, like TNA. We're not bringing it back. You're not going to be the next to wrestling champion like Moose is the fucking TNA champion, Mr. Marceau. We're moving on from this shit. We're now on a wrestle rant. All right, sounds good. I'm still going to. Hey, I still got the wrestle. Actually, that's not true because my Eat Sleep Wrestle. Rant repeat shirt has next era wrestling on the back so that's never getting retired now. <laughs> oh shit <laughs> oh shit anyway mr marcel that's an exclusive and people can check out the wrestle rant radio um 
what's it called? The Royal Rumble game coming up in a couple short months, assuming COVID doesn't ruin it. And I'm going to get a fucking shirt this time. Another shirt that you actually earned and not just... Oh, we don't talk about that because I did get a shirt. What did you say, Mr. Marcel? Make sure she earns it this time. She's got a fake shirt. <laughs> not not a knockoff. Not a, um. what's it called? A bootleg shirt. Not a bootleg shirt off the streets. <laughs> you got it yourself. I don't think so. It says Graham GSM Matthews on the thing. Not Graham or Mina. But anyway, I'm Graham <laughs> GSM Matthews. Um, Mr. Marceau, for Mr. Marceau, uh, we had a great time here today talking all things wrestling. We'll be back next week with more. Until then, guys, take care. I'm Graham GSM Matthews for Mr. Marceau, and we'll catch your ass down the road.